You're listening to the Church Planting Catalyst podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping church planting catalyst and other church planting leaders sharpen their game and bring their skill set to a whole new level. Here's your host, National CPC Director for Sin Network, Rick Curtis. Hey team, it's great to be back at the mic and there's a lot going on right now with the national convention right around the corner, connections to be made, things to learn, and many ways to find inspiration for the task before us. And talking about inspiration, my guests today are Daniel Yang, director of Send Institute, and Tiffany Smith, strategist and managing editor of The Same. And they're going to answer some of those pressing questions that you as a field leader need to know. Daniel, Tiffany, welcome. I'm so glad you're here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're glad to be here. Yeah, it's so good. Hey, let me start us off with a foundational question. What is the Send Institute? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, so, uh, in a nutshell, the Send Institute was uh, started about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, uh, to be a think tank for church planting, specifically church planting in North America. And the way that was developed was um, about a year, two years ago, um, Ed Stetzer, Jeff Christofferson, and um, NAM President Kevin Azell got together, and they started thinking, how can we begin to better the way that we think about church planning in North America, so that not just the um, Southern Baptist or, or NAM or, or Send Network churches uh, would, would do better, but so that all all church planting organizations would do better. So uh, so they developed the Send Institute, and so Ed Stetzer and Jeff Christopherson serve as the co-executive directors, and I serve as the director, and Tiffany is the managing editor. That's great. Hey, so as you know, our primary audience are our field personnel, our, particularly our CPCs, our church planting catalysts. So I've got some questions I want to ask you uh, to help inform them of, of what's going on with Send Institute so they have a better knowledge as they're out there as practitioners in the field. So let me start with this first one. Why do we need a think tank for church planting in North America? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question, Rick. Um, and the best way for me to talk about that is uh, to think about how we plant churches today and to compare it to how we planted churches 30, 40 years ago. And I pose this question all the time to those who lead in denominations and networks that are old enough. And uh, consistently, the answer that I hear is not much. There isn't a, there isn't mm-hmm. a lot of uh, change in the way that we plant churches so today than we did uh, 30 to 40 years ago. And uh, honestly, there's really nothing necessarily uh, wrong or negative about that. I mean, in, in some ways, there's a lot about our culture that's still you know, relatively similar to uh, 30, 40 years ago. But I think we all know that there's a lot about culture that's changed. And there's a lot about uh, the way people think about church, the way that people think about um, religion in general, uh, that that's changed. And our church planting techniques and our processes and our training uh, need to adjust to that. And so the think tank kind of idea is how can we think better about where we're at today in North America? And then how do we help those strategic leaders that are leading organizations to think better about their strategies? So some of that is through research, and then a lot of that is through um, doing small learning cohorts and think tanks. Man, that is really so good. Um, I planted my first church in 1998, began that, and then launched in 1999. And I'm telling you, that hasn't been 30, 40 years, obviously. But things have Mm -hmm. changed so drastically even since that time that if I were to plant again, which may be in my future, I don't know, uh, it would Mm -hmm. be done totally different. So. (laughs) 
Uh, where, where did you plant, Rick? I'm in, curious. Yeah, in North Los Angeles County, in the in the high desert yeah. of, of California, um, came in to my church plant after dozens of churches tried to plant in the same area. So the the basic community had this sense of oh, another one. But uh, we managed mm-hmm. to succeed. We did some cutting edge stuff in the day that would seem probably a lame and outdated now. But uh, we <laughs> we managed to gain traction and do really really well. And, and planted with success before I moved on to become a director of missions. But completely different methodologies out there today with the church planners we're seeing. And it's good mm-hmm. that they have that intellectual think tank behind them where they can learn new strategies, where they can um, push their own barriers and their own thought about how to plan a church. Mm-hmm. So I commend you and your team for doing what you're doing. Yeah, no, we're excited that, uh, that we can do this. It's great. It's awesome to be around such a diverse group of people that are kingdom minded. Amen. So guys, tell me, what are some cool projects that you guys are currently working on? I'll chime in on this one. So one of my favorite things are the gathering of the think tanks. So we've got one coming up um, next week, actually, on Bivocovo, a group of um, network leaders, church leaders that are um, doing that or interested in doing that or collegiate church planting, kind of bouncing off of that as well. So um, gathering these leaders and trying to help them think through creative, innovative ways to maximize their planting in the Bivocovo area. So that's super fun. So what's the methodology for that, Tiff? I mean, are you engaging them one-on-one? Is that through a website or a blog? Or how, how is that main communication channel happening? Well, right now it's just a gathering. We're getting a group of people together and uh, Brad Briscoe is coming in and Daniel and I will be there. And we're just going to navigate a group of folks through some networking time, some collaboration time, and then some um, creative time where they're thinking and, and kind of dreaming towards the future and how can we do this better together? And it's interesting because there are some SBC folk there, but there's also some, you know, broader evangelical groups there. So it's it's fun to see God's people um, interact who don't normally do that. So it's it's really a fun experience. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. and the uniqueness of this particular meeting that's happening, um, it's about 12, 13 significant churches that are invested in church planting. Some of them, I, mean, I guess I can share some of the names. Spanish River, I mean, they're a PCA church. Uh, they've probably planted over 500 churches. Wow. Uh, they, would be the, they would be the primary uh, church that planted Redeemer, uh, Presbyterian Church in New York City, Tim Keller. So they planted him. Back in the day, they, they were a part of starting the Network X29. And so a pretty significant church. Some of the other ones, the Send Network team, a crew will be uh, pretty familiar with. Keith Weezer out in Resonate. Grace Point in Berkeley is hosting us, and they're a significant multiplying church. Um, when we talk about multiplying churches that uh, discover, develop, and deploy church planting teams from within, Grace Point would probably be one of the uh, the few shining examples. And then we've got other really neat kind of innovative um, church multiplication movements like Tampa Underground. They'll be a part of that. We Are a Church, which is Francis Chan's uh, church planting movement in San Francisco. And what we're doing is we're bringing together those who lead the actual execution of these uh, church planting groups. And we're going to do two things. We're going to extract the best practices in their residencies. So we're going to extract information from them. 
And then we're going to talk about how do we build out Bible co-vocational planting through church-based networks. So churches that plant churches, how do they? How can they do it better? Specifically focusing on Bible co-vocational church planters, because we really think that's the that's the way of the future. Without putting a model, without putting any specific like uh, implementation on that, we think if we're going to get to see uh, a larger movement of church planting. It's got to be that development process from within the local church uh, and sending out people who are bivocational, co-vocationally engaged. So that's really exciting. And what we hope to do with that is we'll extract that information, we'll write it up in an ebook, and uh, we'll give it away to everybody. So that's the idea. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Hey, so that's you mentioned innovation and you mentioned some of the cutting edge things that people are doing out there in terms of multiplication. So let me ask you, what are some of the things that you're seeing out there that the Send Network can be learning from? Yeah, you know, this is a this is a, a a question that I struggle with every day because the vast majority of church planting, as we said at the beginning of the episode, um, still looks the same. Thirty four years ago, you have a high capacity church planter, and you put a team around him. Uh, in some cases, her, depending on the denomination. And then uh, they go out and do community events and uh, honestly build solid relationships, see people come to Christ, baptize. And we need more of that. We don't need less of that. So this is not a model-specific kind of answer. But the innovation that I'm seeing in different groups is, number one, a lot of them aren't necessarily focusing on that catalytic uh, alpha male maverick church planter. And their model uh, sometimes tends to be a little bit flatter where there's team leadership. And I know a lot of people shy away from team leadership because of the disastrous kind of uh, case stories that we hear in the past of co-planters. But flatter models of leadership. uh, So you have a church planning team, a true church planning team. And And that's hard because we don't assess church planning teams. We assess mm-hmm. church planters. And so, uh, but we're seeing that happen. And then we're seeing innovative networks. I'm here in Chicago and we're a part of a group called the Church Planning Alliance, working with a group called a, a Catalyst Community. And they're spawning basically micro networks or uh, what they would call catalyst communities. And they're basically like a cluster of churches that partner together and they develop their own recruiting, assessment, uh, process, resource training. And so they're not as reliant on a kind of a monolithic denomination. Uh, so some of the innovation is in structure, and it's not so much in the church model themselves. In other cases, it's in the church model. So if you're looking at, let's say, uh, we are a church out in San Francisco. Uh, I was with them uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, they developed their church planters from within their house churches. They credential them. They provide local theological training, uh, and then they multiply them out. And uh, the interesting thing, maybe this is, Rick, I think this is the most innovative thing about them. Okay. We okay. Are Church is a $0 budget church. I love that. <laughs> so, this is the thing about that. Now, yeah. it doesn't mean they don't take tithes and offerings. It doesn't mean that they don't have expenses. What it does mean is that any overhead actually goes to people work. It goes directly to benevolence. It goes directly to the poor. It goes directly to multiplication. There's no uh, planter salary. There's no building infrastructure to support. Now, the truth be told, I didn't ask them this. I think maybe there's some royalties from Francis Chan's book spells that maybe help with like, you know, facilities and, and materials and those kinds of things. Sure. But, but as a church, as a church, 
everything that comes in in terms of tithes and offerings goes right back out. So that's pretty innovative too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, actually we're seeing more and more of that. We're having conversations since Brad initiated the whole Covo conversation a couple years ago, and we've been seeing more and more. We've got, I've got a stellar example of a no admin church basically in San Diego where um, the plant was started by a full-time firefighter. And it's really kind of uncanny the way that every time they they add a staff member that's also co-vocational. They add 50 mm-hmm. people. They've got seven yep. pastoral staff, no. all of them full-time co-vocational guys, but they're mm-hmm. ministering full-time as staff for the church plant. And it literally followed the pattern. When there were two of them, they were 100. When they were four of wow. them, they were 200. They are currently at seven yep. staff, and they have 350 people running in church, and there's wow. no admin budget whatsoever. It's amazing. That is incredible. That's pretty cool. Piggybacking on that idea just a little bit, and before you move on, and um, you know, Daniel mentioned how that innovative way of kind of releasing people and, and flattening the leadership. I'm also seeing kind of the, the big C church and um, cross denominationally in our evangelical family collectively have this yearning to decrease the gap between the lead pastor and the staff um, and, then the, and then the Christian church member. So, you know, Alan Hirsch has been talking about APEST forever. And so it's not, it's not a new concept, but I'm seeing a collective angst where the churches are really wrestling with, hey, we've got these leaders um, male, female, professional student, diverse gifts, diverse background, diverse thought and experience. And they're going and using their gifts in these parachurch ministries because we don't know what to do with them here. You know, and so I'm seeing churches kind of across the board wrestle with this angst. How do we equip the average, you know, layperson um, to be flourishing and maximizing their gifts in and through the church? And so I love, you know, one of the things that I I've come across in my working with Sin Institute, of course, was the um, underground church out of Florida. And so something that they do is they have all these micro churches and then they equip and encourage them to flourish in their particular calling to influence the different communities and the people groups that they're reaching. Um, And so I think that those principles are applicable to unleashing the church as a whole. So how can we learn from one another and take principles from the underground church, maybe apply to our context? How can we uh, maybe mimic some of those ideas or or maybe even bounce off of those ideas and and creatively contextualize so that we can do some things to give more on-ramps for leaders to thrive and flourish in the church and that we're encouraging them in their gifts that they don't have to go outside of the church to to do those things. That is so good and so right. You know, it comes back to this idea of community or common unity. This We have traditionally had this big divide between pastor, pastoral staff, and congregant. But what you're talking about is more of a unified, almost a real first century feel where you've got believers meeting together for the worship and praise of the Lord and the expansion of the kingdom with everybody having a task. It doesn't fall on any one individual. I, I know in a podcast you can't see it, but I had to chuckle when Daniel used the uh, term dominating alpha male church 
church planter because mm. typically that's what we've done. We've sent the high D out there like a wrecking ball to just get it done for the kingdom and they've mm. done great. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with our cultural shifts that are in play and everything, it's moving, it's changing. It's like an, mm-hmm. it, this organism is always changing up and finding new uh, realities. And so it's good that we're talking about these. We're getting ahead of them kind of and um, evaluating them and seeing how we can implement that. Hey, so I asked the question one way. I said, what are some things that you see out there that Send Network can learn from? Now, let me flip that on you and ask, what are some things that Send Network is doing that you see could be helping the broader church planning community? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And I'm going to preface that with uh, talking about the uh, church planning manifesto that we just released this past March. And what the Church Planning Manifesto was, it was drafted by our Missiologist Council, which is composed of 15 uh, missiologists in North America. Many of them you would know, we were to say their names. And they came up with 12 principles for what we think is useful and basically uh, things that we, we can't do without in the 21st century when it comes to innovating and collaborating across denominational and network lines. And so what we wanted that manifesto to be was this kind of common foundation for all evangelical church planning groups to be able to say, yes, we want to plant in that direction. And we had endorsements from Tim Keller and from the Ferguson's who oversee Exponential to Assemblies of God to the Wesleyans to all the groups. They've all endorsed it. Because we think that uh, every specific church planning movement or church planning organization has a unique skill or gift set to offer to everybody else. And I planted with the Send Network, I planted with NAM, and uh, I know them the most intricately. And the way that we have developed our processes and our systems and our training and our coaching, uh, we have very efficient systems. Now, it's not always about efficiency, and it's definitely not always about uh, optimization. But we've had so much trial and error with um, our training and our coaching. And the things that we're white labeling now, like, for instance, our training curriculum, that's being white labeled right now. And uh, Charles Campbell and his team, they're training the EFCA in our curriculum. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah, that's, like, that's really neat. We white label it so it doesn't have uh, anybody's name on it specifically and their uh, uh, you know, permission to, to change as, as needed. And I think that there are a lot of resources like that. At the end of uh, the summer, we're putting together a think tank of uh, church planning trainers and curriculum developers and coaches. Uh, Dino Sinesi, Charles Campbell, uh, they'll be a part of that. And we're going to invite trainers and coaches from the the top church planning organizations. We're going to facilitate the conversation, but they're all going to learn together. And I think that really God's given us favor in terms of conveners at Send Network. That's number one. And number two, some of the content. Now, some of the content's not always going to apply. Some of the content's going to be specific to the way that we plant churches uh, as a Baptist uh, denomination. But our lessons learned and the principles that we're learning, and then the data that we have. I mean, Rick, the amount of data that we have that can be mined for research. I mean, we're the largest entity, church planning entity. And and I talked to Randy Ferguson about this all the time. If we can give helpful statistics, I think that helps everybody. I I agree. I I just, I don't even think we realize the wealth of Mm -hmm. information that we have within our walls. I mean, we've got a hundred field staff out there, the guys that we're talking to right now that are all parsing the local community. They're parsing the data. They're parsing the demographics. They're doing all this. And 
and you know as well as I do, when you put two people in a room, the sum of their brain power far exceeds the, mm-hmm. the two individuals. And when you start talking Huge. about a workforce of a hundred plus guys that we're calling the tip of the spear out there engaging mm-hmm. church planners every day in every possible context to mine that mm-hmm. information, man, Send Network just is blowing my mind and I'm part of it. It's it's just been amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would add to that as well um, on the relational side. So how, what can the network do for the broader church planning community, I would just say it continue to be willing to sit down with those outside of our tribe and learn and be open and cultivate relationships. And I think that's super important. I have seen that. I mean, we're doing that, but I would just say to continue to do that and to do that very strategically and have that heart of willingness to sit down with others that may not believe just as quite like our tribe but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I want to I want to bring the the ideas down to the local level. If you're at a uh, if you're a Sense City missionary, or if you're overseeing a Sense City, or uh, you know you might be you know the, the DOM of uh, of a state or a convention. Man, I, I like it when our missionaries show up to other people's meetings and they share their lessons learned. I, I do the uh, I do some of the uh, assessments from time to time, and I, I often think to myself, like we could at least open up our assessment processes to other groups to learn from. It doesn't mean that we necessarily have to assess their planters because obviously we're looking for some very specific things, but we can open the process for them to, to learn from. Uh, we can let them borrow some of our people. I think it's a very kingdom way to approach kind of the local level uh, in terms of collaboration. I agree. If we could approach church planting simply with an open hand that just says, hey, what I have, this is kingdom. It really is. Obviously, we're part of the Southern Baptist tribe and we're part of Send Network. But as we lead out with an open hand, we just drive the expansion of God's kingdom. Hey, you guys mentioned uh, a moment ago the church planting manifesto. Where can our field staff see that? And then after that, give me the contact information for Send Institute. How can people connect with you? You guys, how can they follow what you're producing? All of that. Absolutely. I mean, um, the manifesto is uh, at our website. So it's seninstitute.org slash manifesto. And you can see who who drafted the manifesto, who's endorsed it. And then I, I highly encourage uh, our, our, our listeners to endorse it themselves and then just share it out. So, Tiffany, you want to talk about some of the content that we're producing? Okay, so some of the content that is on the Send Institute website, we've got articles, we've got some ebooks, we've got obviously the manifesto, and um, Daniel's got some awesome podcasts on there with various folks, Underground Church and Brian Fry, even so some of our tribe as well. It's really a great place to go and just kind of stay up on some innovative things and also hear from folks outside of our own tribe. That's that's great. Well, thank you both. Hey, let me ask you this final question. I'll start with Tiffany. What books are you guys reading? And if you could share one takeaway from the book. Okay. So right now I'm reading a book called Shift Your Mind, Shift to the World by Steve Chandler. Um, he's a coach. He works with CEOs and different organizations across the U.S. and different personalities. And basically the book talks about how you can shift your, your thinking and in the way that you wrap your mind around things, just like 
you're shifting a gear in a car, if you're driving a stick shift, it's just the roll of a wrist. And so it kind of just walks you through different scenarios on how to reframe your thinking. And ultimately what that does is instead of seeing a problem or a challenge, you're opening your mind to be more creative and more innovative and full of inspiration. And it's really a fun book. I've enjoyed it. It's a business book, but there are a lot of applications and principles that that we can take and use in our kingdom context, especially when you're thinking about um, church planting and and gospel conversations and being creative and how to adjust in an ever-shifting culture. That's good stuff. And, you know, I recommend people always read secular stuff out there. I know some of it can be offensive, but we can unpack our box at a whole new level as we make application of the principles that are there into our own realm. And so thanks for sharing that, Tiffany. How about you, Daniel? Yeah, you know, Rick, man, I just I just read all the time. So I, I but I'm going to give you two books that um, I think are going to be really helpful to to those that are listening. Uh, one is Training Missionaries: Principles and Possibilities by Evelyn Hibbert. It actually talks about you know if you are a person who oversees missions, how, how do you train your missionaries? How do you approach them? How do you help them think about the culture? It, it has to do with you know foreign missions a little bit more, but a lot of the principles um, transfer over. And then the second book is called The Urban Church Imagine Religion, Race, and Authenticity in the City. And uh, this is a uh, book written by uh, two sociologists. And in a nutshell, it's a, a, an analysis and a case study on what happens when in, when a suburban church tries to plant an urban church hmm. and how that culture flows down and how it could potentially uh, make it very confusing for the urban church. So it's a fascinating lesson for uh, suburban churches that want to plant churches, especially in the urban area. Lessons learned, things that they should think about before they do it or as they're doing it. So that's great. Hey guys, just to recap our guest today, Daniel Yang, director of Send Institute and Tiffany Smith, strategist and managing editor of the same. Hey guys, thanks so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. I was inspired by this last 20 minutes or so, and I know our field staff are as well. It was such a privilege. Thanks so much. Thank you, Rick. God bless you guys. You've been listening to the Church Planting Catalyst podcast, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information on today's podcast or additional resources that can help you to assist church planters more effectively, check out our website at namb.net and choose resources.